is the 41st episode of Decoding Fox News, and I'm your host, Juliet Jeske. Each week, I watch and analyze 15 hours of Fox News and then break it down. I watch all the Fox News you'd never want to. This project is made possible by the Town Knight Center for News Integrity at the Craig Newmark Graduate School of Journalism at CUNY. I'm a graduate of that program, not a student, and if you don't know me, I have a long history covering and researching the far right, specifically a hate group known as the Proud Boys. So I just want to briefly explain explain this project before I start into this week's episode. So Decoding Fox News was designed to help the friends, family members, neighbors, co-workers, and colleagues of people who are deeply entrenched in the Fox News universe. Think of this as a support network of sorts to help you navigate the nonsense that your Fox-loving friends might spew at you. Throughout this podcast, I will refer to something called the newsletter. It can be found at my Substack, which is 100% free right now, at Decoding Fox News Substack. The newsletter is basically a written version of the podcast. Some of the sources I cite are hyperlinked in the newsletter. So if you ever want to find a source for something, please just look through my Substack it will, the newsletter has the exact same name as the podcast. It just doesn't say podcast, but it's the exact same headline. This past week was a doozy. It started off very light news week, very boring, like almost a holiday week. And then Friday hit and I was like, oh my goodness. I, I was worried I didn't have enough for the podcast and newsletter. And I'm not kidding. When I was putting this thing together, you get warnings from Substack when your piece is too long, like too long written. And they make you, like, shave it down or it, it will truncate in an email. So I was, like, slicing and dicing and slashing and burning and going crazy to try to shrink it a little bit and yet get all my content. It's all because of Friday. Um, Friday, if you don't know, you probably know. But there was a big drop of a, a story. What do you call this? I call it the public rela- relations stunt because that's what it was. I do not call that journalism. Oh my goodness, I got so worked up over that. Like many other journalists, I was just angry that, oh, I, don't worry, I'm going to save that. But, <laughs> um, uh, Elon Musk was trying to sort of prove a point with this um, Twitter files stunt and just sucked all the energy out of the room and Fox is completely 100% psychotically obsessed with it. So let's go to the headline and I, I fear that it's going to dominate right wing media, probably until the next presidential election. And maybe after. You never know. I joked on Friday, Fox News is going to ride this story into the sun. Outrage. So here's the headline. (laughs) I'm laughing to keep from crying. (laughs) It's like my least favorite thing Fox News talks about and they will not stop now. Okay, here we go. Outrage over handshakes lobsters, and the Twitter files public relations stunt. A condensed overview of 15 hours of Fox News for the week ending December 4th, 2022. Fans of the network might think that the Twitter files revealed on Friday evening were the smoking gun that proved that President Biden had committed impeachable offenses. Fox viewers might also believe that Biden had banned Maine lobsters and then an excessively long handshake with French President Emmanuel Macron was a sign of Biden's cognitive decline. Anyone who got all of their news from Fox 
would have no idea that the jobs report for the month of November showed more signs of growth as the U.S. economy added 263,000 new jobs. They also wouldn't know that former President Donald J. Trump had a dinner at Mar-a-Lago with Nicholas J. Fuentes, a white nationalist and Holocaust denier, or that a jury, jury deliberations began in the criminal case against the Trump organization. A typical Vox viewer would be enraged and outraged while remaining horribly uninformed. The shows that I covered last week were Fox and Friends, The First Hour, The Five, and Hannity. Fox News focused on a number of issues last week, from the crisis at the southern border to anti-government protests in Iran and China, along with its usual slew of crime stories. But one story showed up at the end of the week and has since dominated the right-wing media landscape. The Twitter Files. Here we go. This episode might be a little bit longer simply because of this aspect of the podcast this week. Here we go. The Twitter Files public relations stunt. On Friday evening, Elon Musk hired journalist Matt Tahibi for a public relations stunt Musk tried to sell as a massive unveiling of secrets buried deep within the hard drives of Twitter. And I have a link to it. Tahibi acting within the constraints he was given by Elon Musk himself, revealed documentation over the course of a roughly 40-tweet thread that was supposed to finally prove that the social media company had worked as an arm of the Democrat Party to influence the last pres presidential election for President Biden. What readers got was a slow, meandering thread of mostly old information peppered with, drumroll please, dick pics, of Hunter Biden. Luckily, there were no visible images of genitalia on display, but the mysterious lines of code all led back to amateur porn created by Hunter Biden when he was in the throes of addiction. It took Tahibi eight long, self-aggrandizing tweets e to even start to post any documentation from Twitter. I personally found his intro tweets to be incredibly annoying. <laughs> Just get to the point, buddy. The first clue that the emails and documents did not point to much of anything was the date on the top of the first series of tweets that were deleted at the request of the Biden presidential campaign. And that date would be, drumroll please again, October 24, 2020. When the President of the United States was Donald J. Trump, not Joe Biden, Trump would have had the power and influence to use any number of resources available to him to put pressure on Twitter. Biden was nothing more than a candidate for president. No one at the DNC could call up law enforcement agency or yield any sort of sanction against Twitter. Twitter being a private company could decide what it would publish, delete, block, or feature. The second thing that gave me pause was the way Tahibi presented the tweets that were taken down by Twitter on behest of the Biden presidential campaign. What did any of that code mean? What exactly was taken down? Why didn't Tahibi indicate what type of content was removed? Now, if you follow this, which I, I would bet a good portion of my listeners did follow this because you guys are nerds like me who are obsessed with politics, I can tell from the comments you make and the comments you make on Twitter and all of that. So you saw just like lines of code and it was like, okay, that was a tweet. 
but we didn't know what it was. And I immediately, I said out loud when I was reading this, like, well, what is that? I don't know what that is. That could be, you know, innocuous or that could be something horrible. So former Twitter, Twitter employees swooped in to let everyone know that those lines of code were mostly pornographic images of Hunter Biden's penis. So I would assume Tahibi and Musk both knew that the list contained links that would have led to photographs of genitalia, but neither one of them shared that information with the good people of Twitter. So photos of genitalia and sexually graphic images posted without the consent of people featured in the videos or photograph goes against Twitter's community standards. Of course, there's plenty of porn on Twitter, but it's posted by people who want others to see them naked or engaged in sexual activity. So with this next tweet, Tahibi basically destroyed the premise that Twitter was acting as some arm of the Democratic Party. And this tweet reads, this has been posted all over the place, both parties had access to these tools. For instance, in 2020, requests from both the Trump White House and the Biden campaign were received and honored. However, colon. And then he goes into Tahibi's attempt to mitigate the reveal that both Republicans and Democrats had asked Twitter to remove content was to then post the political donations of Twitter employees for the past three years. That's meaningless because what does that mean? What would have been far more persuasive is if he actually showed correspondence and tweets where Republicans asked Twitter to remove content from the platform. Were there any Republicans begging Twitter to remove dick pics? Embarrassing sexual content is not exactly unique to one political party. Now, this is one that just drives me crazy as a data journalist. There was no data. (laughs) No data that showed a ratio of the amount of requests made by Republicans versus Democrats. Now, I get worked up about this because data is my passion. I'm a data journalist. And if anybody truly had gone through what you can do with Python, you can do with all different kinds of software that coding that you can just scrape it and do it much faster than you'd expect. You could pull out all this data and you could figure out who's a Republican, who's a Democrat. Right. And then you could build a visual a visualization to, to show your readers instantly how lopsided that ratio would be instantly. They didn't do that, which makes me suspect of everything they said about the data. Come on. If you had thousands of examples, this should be easy. So I just found this crazy suspect that it was very cherry picked what they showed their readers. So. And then what came after this was tweets that mostly gave us old information that was already known. And the only new information were conversations between executives and security experts at Twitter who were very clearly conflicted about how to deal with this story. Now, had Tahibi posted something with heated language against the Republican Party or Donald J. Trump, he might have had something here. But it was instead a bunch of different voices who genuinely seemed concerned if they were doing the right thing or not. So at one point in the various conversations, there was a U.S. representative, Rogana, who's a Democrat from California, urge Vijaya Gad, Twitter's former head of legal affairs, to go ahead and publish the Hunter Biden story and material. Uh, Rokana was concerned that suppressing the content would actually elevate it and make the situation worse for everyone. And I I think he was prophetic. 
Um, Tahibi even violated Twitter's community standards in the Twitter files when he himself neglected to obscure the personal email of, of Rogana, which was clearly visible in two screenshots. There's also no attempt to hide the names of various Twitter employees, which opened them up to harassment. At the end of this underwhelming display of poorly thought out public relations disguised as journalism, Fox News host tasted blood in the water and started their own feeding frenzy. Now I'm going to play some of these clips. I have way too many. I did a whole Twitter thread that was like five tweets on Friday. That was basically all of Hannity because every guest talked about this for the most part. Now, briefly, I'm going to try not to get too worked up. The reason why so many journalists are mad at Matt Tahibi right now is not because, his, personally, for me, it's not his politics, it's not his creepy past with sexual harassment that he bragged about in a book. It's not his strange attitude towards Putin and Russia. No. My beef with him comes from the fact that he, this is not how journalism works. Elon Musk came to Matt Tahibi and said, oh, I want you to write this for me. Already, the company coming to you, that's public relations. That's not journalism. Second, Matt Tahibi openly admitted that he agreed to work within parameters that Twitter set for him. That's clearly a conflict of interest. You can't do that. You're not a journalist. You were handed documents. You were handed a narrative and you did your duty. Good for you, your public relations. And there's no shame in being public relations or or working for publicity for a corporation. It's just not journalism. And I cannot even, his arrogance and the fact that he acted, oh, you shut up. And that's why so many journalists are mad at him and disgusted with this and angry. It's, there's no, this idea that we all collectively like uh, Greg Gutfeld tried to say that like this was somehow coordinated or somebody told us to get angry and call this PR. No, we call this PR because we went to J school and we know the difference between journalism and public relations. And this is not journalism. So, okay. So before that, we get into that. Jason Chaffetz subbed for Hannity on Friday. And here are some of the clips from that show. It's going to start with Jason Chaffetz. He's the first voice. Now, make no mistake, the level of left-wing bias and corruption at Twitter it was extreme. This comes on the heels of new testimony from a federal agent who claims that the FBI held weekly meetings with major tech platforms ahead of the 2020 election. Now, what he's leaving out there, of course, is that they were doing this again with all social media companies. And the reason why they were is they were worried about disinformation coming from foreign sources, especially because... We obviously had that problem in 2016. This is not a conspiracy. To, quote, discuss disinformation on social media and ask about efforts to censor that information. In other words, your federal government was colluding with big tech to shape the outcome of a presidential election. Now, Jason Chaffetz is making some huge leaps there. Disinformation is a real problem. Interference from China or Russia would be problematic to our elections. This next voice is Clay Travis. He's a radio host. He's a lawyer, but he mainly talks about sports on his radio show. So, But he's a frequent guest on Fox News. Just kind of contextualize this for everybody out there who's wondering about what exactly is going on. In China, they have set up what they call the Great Wall of China for Internet blocking. 
So the government itself controls what you can and cannot see. Okay, he says that while he's broadcasting on Fox News, the number one cable news program. Okay, which is obviously not being censored by the U.S. government. Now, also China, that might make sense if Twitter was the only news source in America, but it is clearly not. So they just hyperbole, completely blowing it out of proportion. This next clip is like a micro clip of a much longer clip, but I want you to hear this phrase because we are all going to hear this phrase um, for months, unfortunately. We knew it. We suspected it, but we didn't have the smoking guns to prove it. That's what he's done here is they are showing that our government, the Biden administration, the Biden election campaign at the time. Okay, that's what I wanted to show you. The Biden administration. Oh, the Biden campaign at the time. I've already seen it. I already saw this today, you know, on the shows that I watched today. They're conflating campaign with administration. Two totally different things. But they're going to keep doing it. Was colluding with big tech to do effectively what government is not allowed to do by itself. They effectively deputized these big tech companies to undertake actions that they otherwise would not have been able to do without violating the First Amendment. As they said in these documents, that frankly was chilling. Sometimes it would happen for Republicans, to be fair, but as the the, the demonstration here is, overwhelmingly it was in favor of the Democrat Party. Now we're going to move on to Tammy Bruce. She's also like a radio podcast host. I'm not sure if it's radio or podcast. Kind of the same thing. Um, She subbed for... She tends to be incredibly melodramatic. She's a former uh, Democrat who's turned kind of histrionic in her conservatism. Here you go. But effectively, in this case, Twitter, and now we know also in league perhaps with Facebook and other conversations regarding the FBI and their conversations is that uh, certain platforms, and certainly now Twitter, were acting as agents of the state. Actually, they weren't because Twitter did this voluntarily. There's no muscle here. There was no threat of, if you don't do this, we will X, Y, Z. There's no evidence that the government threatened or used any sort of coercion to get Twitter to do anything. Just, there isn't. They haven't shown us anything like that. And this is what is remarkable. The thing, the specific thing that sets this nation apart from all the totalitarian rat holes around the world that abuse their people and crush them and have fake elections or no elections is in fact our Bill of Rights. I picked that because it's so over the top. It's just like, again, if Twitter was the only news source, she'd have a point, but it's not. And this ran, nope. Like, and if Jack booted thug showed up at the New York Post and said, give me your printing presses. (laughs) You know, we're gonna shut down your website, put people in cuffs and took them out. She would have a point. But the New York Post went ahead and ran this story. Uh, a lot of people made fun of it. A lot of people thought it was dubious, including Fox. Fox did not run this story when it first came out. Fox thought it was too shady. Even the New York Post kind of thought it was too shady, if you read the details about that. So at this point in the newsletter, and I want to give a shout out to a number of different uh, sources because I just found so many great sources. I didn't have room to put this all in. And I mean, I'm telling you, I had to rewrite this newsletter a couple of times because it was just too long and uh man i wanted to include so many so much more so i included a link to a twitter thread 
from the Sparrow Project. I'm going to read it to you. This is intriguing. You'll probably want to read it after I read this to you. Matt Tahibi is either woefully misinformed about this or cynically lying. How do I know? Because I attended two meetings with Twitter representatives in July and August of 2020, wherein the Hunter Biden story was discussed within the larger framework of election integrity. Ouch. Snap. Somebody drew blood. Okay, I just thought that was great. It's a great thread. I can't really explore it here because I just don't have the space. But please check out that link. Another one was posting through it by my good friend and a brilliant uh, man, Jared Holt. He's well known in the world of extremism. He's an expert. He's a researcher. He's worked all over the place. You've probably seen him on TV. He uh, has a, a he's done a number of appearances. So he wrote a piece called Matt Tahibi whiffs as he licks the boot. Ouch! Ouch! Next up, we have the bulwark. Uh, which is, you know, is a little bit more right-wing. I love the writing. I think they do a great job. Here here it is. No, you do not have a constitutional right to post Hunker, Hunter Biden's dick pic on Twitter. That's Tim Miller. Also, great piece. Excellent piece. And then my, another favorite. I don't have a favorite out of these four. I love them all. But a uh, fourth one that I just thought was so well-written was Elon Musk and Tucker Carlson Don't Understand the First Amendment by David French from The Atlantic. All of these are excellent. Highly recommend links in the newsletter. Now, we're finally getting off this topic, but sadly, I don't think that Fox News will get off the topic of Hunter Biden anytime soon or Twitter. Oh, my God. Okay, this next one, totally transitioning to something kind of silly. This is what I call Lobstergate. Last week, Fox mentioned lobster, the word lobster, 78 times. You're going to hear my voice interjected in this clip as well. I'm just going to play the clip. Here you go. White House served lobster at Biden's first day dinner with Macron, but the Marine Stewardship Council declared lobster unsustainable. Let Whole Foods stop selling Maine lobster. The Marine Stewardship Council is an environmental group based in London. It has no connection to the U.S. government. But that decision to serve lobster actually came after the Monterey Bay Aquarium's Seafood Watch and the Marine Stewardship Council declared lobster unsustainable. The Monterey Bay Seafood Watch is part of a non-for-profit that is part of the Monterey Bay Aquarium on the West Coast, and it is not affiliated with the federal government. Which actually led Whole Foods to stop selling Maine lobster. Whole Foods, of course, is a private company that is publicly traded, and Whole Foods can sell whatever it wants. Now, there are plenty of other retailers that will sell Maine lobster. Whole Foods is one of many. On some lawmakers from Maine, quote, Jared Golden, if the Biden White House can prioritize purchasing 200 Maine lobsters for a fancy dinner, POTUS should also take the time to meet with the Maine lobsterman his administration is currently regulating out of business. Not sure what he's criticizing there, but again, Biden has nothing to do with two environmental groups and Whole Foods' decision. On the Senate side, Susan Collins weighed in, tweeting this, Delicious, sustainable Maine lobster is an excellent choice for the Maine course for the president's first state dinner. If Maine lobster is good enough for the White House to serve... It's good enough for every seafood retailer, including Whole Foods, now, I to sell. It's funny that they even included that tweet because Susan Collins is clearly criticizing, at least it appears that she's criticizing Whole Foods, not the president. She actually says if it's good enough for the White House, 
it's good enough for any seafood retailer, which, how is that dissing Biden? But okay. Um, this next clip is from The Five. They talked about Lobstergate for seven freaking minutes. Now, what I was missing and what they should have included is if there are regulations that the Biden administration has somewhere about lobster harvesting, I would have loved to have heard it, but I didn't. I just kept hearing these two non-for-profits that are not affiliated with the federal government over and over again. And then they kept mentioning Whole Foods, which is a private company that can do whatever it wants. So yeah, classic Fox. Like they're just conflating two things and then saying everybody's outraged at President Biden. Environmentalists might have been outraged at President Biden, but that's not how they couched this. They tried to make it seem that lobster fishermen were angry. It's just, oh my goodness, Fox. This is classic Fox. And as Joe's guests got to enjoy a butter poached Maine lobsters, he's pushing regulations that would kill the industry. Now you'd think that Judge Pirro, Judge Pirro, Judge Janine, I sometimes imitate their voices, everybody, if you're new to the podcast. If, if you think if Judge Pirro actually had regulations, again, that's when she would mention them. She didn't. It was just that statement, and then the lobster, oh my God, I don't know why you can't eat lobster. What's wrong with Maine lobster? It's perfectly good. That's my Judge Janine. I think, I, I think I do, I'm getting better at her. I, I got the weird New York accent in addition to her rhythm and her cadence. Anyway, my personal favorite, I'm just going to do this very briefly before we go into the next story, which is also silly. I tried to balance it. I try to balance like lighthearted stuff with the crazy Twitter files insanity. Um, this one is my personal favorite uh, candidate of 2022. Uh, she's from Arizona. She's not given up the fight. She's amazingly, uh, I don't even know how to describe this woman, but it's Carrie Lake. She's not giving up on the dream. She has the most manufactured voice of any candidate I think I've ever heard. This is a woman who spent her entire life speaking into a camera. And you can tell her filter, her makeup, her sheen, everything about her. I picture her relaxing by taking like boxes of graham crackers and just smashing them to bits with a rolling pin and then putting them in a bowl and doing it again. Instead of like yoga she just does destruction. Maybe makes whole houses out of Legos and then just bashes them. You know, and if she had a cooking show, I'd picture Carrie Lake buying perfectly made prepared foods and then insulting them. You're fake pie. You're a disgusting cake. You're cupcakes that insult me. You're below me. And I know that because I used to be one of you. Okay, that's my Carrie Lake. Now we're going to get on to the next story. Yeah, I had to get that out. It's been rough. This week's been rough. I had no sleep. I've had no sleep because I had to go home for a funeral and I didn't have any time and I managed to get hit my deadline and I've had no sleep as a result. No sleep. And I won't tell you what time it is right now because <laughs> you'd be concerned for me. Okay, so the next one, next one up is, this is just the handshake. I don't really, I'll just play it. I'll just play it. Now, I'd be remiss if I didn't recap one of the most awkward moments yesterday. President Biden, you probably didn't see this, he shook hands with his counterpart for about 42 seconds, roughly 30 seconds longer than Macron obviously wanted to 
shake hands, witness the repeated attempts to pull away. Now, critics might call that exchange a bit cringeworthy, or perhaps he was just really happy to see his friend. We report, you decide. And from this vantage point, I'm not sure what else I should say about that, so I'll leave it to you guys. Back to Still you. Going. Still going. Can we That's bring it so back? Weird. <laughs> can we bring it back? I want to see it to. Yeah, I like to see them break. Finality. Yeah. You can tell Macron's looking at him like, let go. There it was. There, there we go. Wow, Kevin Cork. That'll be the last time we ever shake hands. Let's watch 42 minutes of seconds of this. That's great. Grandpa, let go. Right. <laughs> and it's not even a handshake. It's like this. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. Let's yeah. try it for 45 like seconds. Welcome back. <laughs> yeah. Come on. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Nope, nope. No. Good for you? That is okay. weird. That's weird for 10 seconds. Right. All right, Kevin. Thank you, Kevin. Uh, I'm sorry, Kevin. We didn't make you, uh, we're making you sit through. How empty are your lives that an old man shaking another man's hand for an awkward length of time is that hilarious to you i mean really that's what amuses you really i kind of kind of find that hard to believe i think that was a little bit punched up just you know yeah you know i'm i'm a monster but i think that they were they were hamming that up a little bit for the cameras because it's just a handshake it appeared as many people on twitter pointed out that they were just shaking hands for a photo op that they just kept their hands so everybody could get a picture of it that's it wow okay the next one up this is uh they're gonna still ride this one into the sun fox is still bitter that they didn't do better in the midterms and they keep coming up with new reasons this one is a repeat but this is sort of just an expanse on that repeat and it's a bunch of different people talking um i'll just play the clip that comes as we get a disturbing new report on how China used TikTok in order to tip the scales in our midterms. Apparently, accounts run by the propaganda arm of the Chinese government have accumulated millions of followers. They were bashing Republicans and praising Democrats without really clearly disclosing they were being posted by a foreign government. So Hillary Vaughn, hey, President Harold, good to be with you. TikTok, yeah, President. Yeah. Why is TikTok running so Thank freely? You. That's a Chinese company. I, yeah, be. Mark Warner Harold, is the one. You know, that's TikTok. a good point about TikTok, Harold. Uh, I mean, if, you, if you add Minnie Madoff buying the Senate with fraudulent cash and the TikTok interference, that's right. That is a double dose of election interference. Senator Mark in the oh, a Democrat. The double dose, yeah. Harold, has credit. been information on TikTok where the Communist Party of China is actively interfering in our elections with viral social media accounts that promote Democrats and attack Republicans. So TikTok is just one of many reasons the uh, Fox keeps coming up with for why they did so lousy in the midterms and lousy with young voters. They could, you know, talk to young voters. I keep saying that, but they won't. They'll just, you know, it's always a crazy conspiracy theory and plot. And that's why they can't win over young voters. It's not that they you know, say they're indoctrinated, brainwashed, or stupid, which they've, they've done. Okay, so the next category is stories Fox News ignored every week. I compare 15 hours of Fox News coverage to five hours of the PBS NewsHour. The following st- list of stories are what was PBS covered that Fox did not mention. PBS tends to get more international stories. This is true, but there's also a lot of domestic that Fox just does, does not cover at all, doesn't even mention. So here we go. This list is always long. I might 
might shorten it a little bit. The full list is going to be in the newsletter. Here we go. The 19-year-old white gunman Peyton Grendon accused of targeting and killing 10 black victims and injuring three others in a racially motivated attack at a Buffalo, New York grocery store pleaded guilty to state charges last week. Trump had dinner with Yee West and Nicholas J. Fuentes, a white nationalist and Holocaust denier, at his Mar-a-Lago estate. The U.S. added 263,000 new jobs in November, which is a sign of health in the economy. The Democratic Party decided to start its presidential primary in the state of South Carolina instead of Iowa. Infowars broadcaster Alex Jones has filed for Chapter 11 personal bankruptcy after he was ordered by the courts to pay over $1.5 billion in damages to the families of shooting victims at Sandy Hook Elementary. The European Union policing agency Europol helped take down a large cocaine cartel that operated in six European countries. Residents of Houston, Texas, faced a boil water notice after a power outage at a water treatment plant. In a major loss to Donald J. Trump's legal team, an appeals court halted the special master's review of documents seized at Mar-a-Lago. The European Union uh, agreed to a $60 price cap on Russian oil as a means to harm Russia financially for its invasion of Ukraine. Lawyers for the Trump Organization rested their case in the criminal case tax fraud trial in New York State. Leader of the Oath Keepers and an Oath Keeper member were found guilty of seditious conspiracy. That's a big deal. That does not happen often. And other charges related to the U.S. Capitol breach on January 6th. The Supreme Court is deciding a case about federal immigration policy brought by Texas and Louisiana. The suit is over immigration enforcement guidelines issued by the Biden administration that deal with the arrest and detainment of undocumented immigrants. In Arizona, Republican gubernatorial candidate Carrie Lake refuses to concede her loss to Katie Hobbs. Officials in Cochise County, a Republican-dominated rural area, blew past the statutory deadline to certify its votes, but eventually voted to certify them after a court order. Senator Sherrard Brown of Ohio sent a letter to Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen urging her to help craft legislation that would add safeguards and regulations to the cryptocurrency market. President Biden pledged new commitments, respect for tribal nations at a two-day White House Tribal Nations Summit to representatives from hundreds of Native American tribes. The United Nations launched a record $51 billion appeal for humanitarian aid. The UN expects 339 million people in 69 countries to need assistance due to eternal conflicts, food insecurity, and climate change. The Islamic State Jihadist Group's leader has been killed in battle in an operation carried out by rebels of the Free Syrian Army in southern Syria. I can't even attempt to say his name. That's why I'm just going to call him the Islamic State Jihadist Group's leader. He is the third leader to meet a violent death of this group. Turkey launched attacks against Syrian Kurds, a United States ally in the northern border of Syria. Very problematic, actually. Five Palestinian men were killed by Israeli forces in West Bank violence. Uh, Israel-Palestine is always ignored by Fox. Just a general note. According to the Pentagon... China has plans to triple its nuclear arsenal by 2035. 
Fox talks about uh, China all the time. You'd think they would have mentioned that. They didn't. Kind of weird. Despite a peace deal signed last month, violence erupted in the northern Tigray region of Ethiopia. A joint committee of Ethiopian government and Tigray forces have convened to outline disarmament plans. They keep trying to stop the fighting. The fighting keeps happening. It's a bit of a civil war, an internal conflict of sorts in Ethiopia. COVID-19 disruptions have led to a decline in childhood vaccines globally. As many as 40 million children have missed doses of the measles vaccine. That is terrifying. Terrifying. Legendary baseball pitcher and two-time Cy Young Award winner, Gaylord Perry, died at the age of 84. And a silly one at the very end, the French baguette gets a UNESCO recognition, an award through the United Nations, which recognize, recognizes the bread's cultural importance. Very exciting. Uh, good on PBS for that one. Now we're going into by the numbers where I make a chart of the top five categories in each PBS and Fox News, and I compare them every week. This is always very interesting. And in this past week, Fox went with um, Elon Musk and the Twitter files at 13%. Protests in China, and I'll get back to that. Anti-Biden, World Cup, and Venezuela will pump oil again with Chevron. And that's kind of a weird story that's developing. Wasn't really convinced based on the coverage that Fox gave that that's actually going to happen. It seems more like a proposal. I don't know. So the protests in China were interesting because Fox chose to couch them often with the Apple Corporation, which was odd because there are thousands of American companies that have factories and do business in China. Agree or disagree with it? I totally understand why people would not be a fan of that, but that's the, that's the reality. There are thousands of American corporations who have factories in China. Apple's one. Apple's a huge corporation, very powerful corporation. However, to hang these protests on one corporation seems a bit nutty considering the size of China, the the amount of companies that do business there. And PBS didn't bring Apple up once. And I don't think it's because they're not sponsored by Apple or anything. I think this is some sort of weird um, strategy uh, on the part of Fox News because Apple and Twitter are being sort of abrasive with each other because of Elon Musk. I'm not sure what was going on there, but it did seem very odd that they kept bringing up Apple because I wasn't finding that anywhere else when I was researching the process in China. It was only Fox. Very, very strange. Another thing that they did that was very odd is they suddenly got angry about the uh, protests in Iran, which they've completely ignored since mid-September. Now, Fox is also hosting the World Cup, which is the soccer tournament. The Iranian team, Iranian team, uh, on one of their matches refused to sing the national anthem in Solidarity with the protesters, the anti-government protesters in their homeland. They kind of gotten in trouble for it, even though the Iranian government said they didn't. And then suddenly at the next game, they were singing it, but they didn't look very happy. And suddenly Brian Kilmeade, who's always, no one on Fox has mentioned these protests at all, starts complaining about it. And I just, you know, he's all outraged. He's all angry. And I just thought, where were you? This has been going on since mid-September. And Fox didn't do a single segment on it. They didn't sh- They didn't speak to an expert on it. It was just in between segments, sometimes somebody from Fox, in relation to the World Cup, would complain about the protests in, in Iran that they've ignored for three months. So that I just found that really just awful and disingenuous and gross. 
Um, so that's one of the things. And then one thing with PBS, uh, I want to point this out because I got some grief from people on Twitter because I was talking about Nick Fuentes. And there is, uh, if you notice the amount of press that that person got, I, I'm hardly, I am a tiny, tiny thimble of water in an ocean. Uh, I created a an edit of Fuentes saying mom and calling out to his mother and talking about food and whining like a little brat because he does live with his parents and he, it's not because they need his help or anything. He just, he's stunted. And I wanted to make him look pathetic. And that's why I made that edit. I have 107 hours of him saying absolutely horrible things. I studied him as part of my capstone in grad school. It's very delicate how you have to cover Nick Fuentes, but when they meet with the president of the United States, when somebody that horrible does, or the former president, it has to be called out. You cannot just let that one go. You cannot. You cannot. Because doing ignoring it normalizes it. It's like, oh, well, no big deal. They just met with a white nationalist. And there is a flip side that... Although, and it's very unfortunate that somebody like Nick Fuentes will gain followers from this, probably gain money from this. It's That just hurts my soul. Although he would have anyway, because he would have bragged, I met with the president. I met with President Trump. I met with, you know, former president. And word would have gotten out, trust me. But one good thing that comes from it is now Nick Fuentes is no longer anonymous. Before, it was just people like me, uh, the... Jared Holt, David Newart, Adam, Andy Campbell, Tess Owen, who know extremism, who would have recognized him instantly. But now, you know, he could go for chicken wings somewhere in Chicago, which he lives in a suburb of Chicago, and have a group of people just point to him and scream Nazi. And that's not going to be pleasant for him. And he's going to get that everywhere he goes, because now he's no longer this weirdo in his parents' basement making this stupid show. He will be harassed. He will be taunted. People will make his life miserable. It happened to Richard Spencer, uh, and it, he suffered from it. I am not wishing any physical harm on anyone, but I have no problem with somebody calling a Nazi a Nazi and making their life hell. See, that's the one small piece of solace that I get from this, is that he will be taunted, he will be harassed, he's no longer anonymous. He's no longer only known to nerdy researchers like myself he's now known to more of the general public and that's not necessarily a, a bad thing it's mixed it's mixed oh it's just awful but anyway on that note this week i'll be listening to i'll be analyzing the first hour of fox and friends the five and tucker carlson tonight yippee i'm being sarcastic when i say that because if you know this podcast at all you know i cannot stand tucker carlson tonight but it is needed work we have to break him down and analyze him and pull him apart intellectually. Anyway, thank you so much for listening. My cat's Odin Sworth. Thank you. Check out my Patreon at Decoding Fox News Patreon. See you at the next podcast. <laughs>